alignment. And how sometimes we carry heavy loads and we carry heavy things and, and we get out of alignment trying to do it in our own strength. And, and I, I told you last week that God had been talking to me about it, that I, I was, in fact, myself carrying heaviness. And, and God spoke to me, said, Han, you're out of alignment. At the same time that he was speaking to me about alignment, um, there was one day I was praying and he said to me, the church has spiritual complacency. And I, I wouldn't say that it was the, you know, just our church. I, I, I believe that it is the, the Western world in itself. And so I'm going to talk to you about spiritual complacency this morning. In Proverbs 1, 32, it says, For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. In another translation, it says, Like an idiot. <laughs> Good translation. Like an idiot, you've turned away from me and chosen destruction instead. And then it says, Your self-satisfied smugness will kill you. Complacency means this. Self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. A feeling of quiet pleasure, often while unaware of or unconcerned with unpleasant realities or harmful possibilities. The feeling you have when you are satisfied with yourself. A feeling of calm satisfaction with your own abilities that prevent you from trying harder. Then it means smugness. Smugness means having or showing excessive pride in oneself or one's achievements. So it's saying that complacency is somewhat being satisfied in yourself. I'm good here. I don't need to go any, this is good. I'm satisfied here. But notice it also says that it's a self-satisfaction that is unaware of harmful possibilities. That you're just comfortable here, but you're not really aware of what could happen or what could come. And then it says smugness, prideful. Showing excessive pride in oneself and one's achievements. You know, Naaman in the Bible, I, I won't go there, but I'll do a, a, a quick recap of him. Naaman, he was a mighty man of valor, the Bible says. I mean, the Bible also says he was a great man. He had done so many things, awesome. And then it says he was a great man of valor. Then it says, but he had leprosy. So he had a weakness. He was great. He'd done many great things, but, but he had leprosy. Something that could take his life. And through a series of events, he goes to see Elisha, and 
and uh, he's going to go get healed. A letter was sent saying that he would come and, and he would get healed. So he shows up, knocks on the door of Elijah's um, house, and he sends a servant. And the servant... The servant comes to the door. Elijah sends a servant, comes to the door, says to Naaman, uh, this is what you're supposed to do. Uh, go dip in some water and you'll be healed. And Naaman gets mad. He gets upset about this. He said, what? He's not even going to come to the door? And the Bible says, I thought that he would wave his hands, you know, around, do whatever those people do. But he is not even going to come and greet me. And so it says, Naaman went away mad. This was his healing. He was moments away from his healing. He had a disease that was going to take his life. But in his smugness, in his complacency to go past what was comfortable for him, Naaman walked away. He walked away. Mad, it says. He went away mad. It's like, I deserve more than that. Do you understand the things that I have done in my life? I am a mighty man of valor. I don't deserve to be treated that way. My healing, my healing should come with you waving your hands around me. <laughs> Thankfully, his servant went running after him and was like, ah, I think you should dip in the, I think you should dip in the water. And he did, and he got healed. <laughs> but, but many times, we don't want to move past our, our comfortable zone. We could be moments away from our deliverance, moments away from our healing, moments away from things, but we don't want to move past what's comfortable to us. We stay complacent. It also talks about being satisfied, just being satisfied. I don't even need anything. I'm just satisfied here. I'm good. It's good. I don't need a healing. I don't need a deliverance. So this word is for them. That's cool. When we started the salon, when, when, when we started at the beginning, you know, we found a building, and man, it took, it was day and night. You know, I was at home, Judah was a baby, I was at home making gift certificates and anything, anything, you know, calling the government, that's fun, and, you know, doing everything I could to set, set it up. Jarrett was day and night, he was working at the salon, getting it ready, renewing it. We were moving. And then once we got in to the salon, we got the girls and, and, and now it was got to get clients, right? And so we had to hustle. Like, you know, we were putting things in windows every, in people's car um, windshield wipers. We would put promotional things in people. We were constantly doing something to get the clients in. We got to get the clients in. They don't know who we are. It's a year before you get a, uh, your name in the phone book, so you, you got to work hard. So we were doing promotions, and we were showing up at businesses. We were introducing ourselves. It was constant for two years. Then we got clients. Then we got a name. 
then we didn't need to do anything anymore. And you become satisfied with where you're at. You become complacent. I don't need to work. I'm good. But what does it say with complacency? You're unaware of the danger that could be from you staying in that place. You just stay comfortable. And I would say, and the Father is speaking to me about the church being in spiritual complacency. We're just comfortable. This is good. I don't need the church to grow. I'm fine. I don't need more people to come in. It's good. I don't need to lay my hands on the sick. I'm not sick. It's not me dying. Bless the Lord. And we, we can see even people hurting around us, but I'm good. I'm good. I'm comfortable here. To ask me to come past my comfortable zone, I, we become complacent. In Deuteronomy 6, uh, 10, it says, Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore solemnly promised to give your fathers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with great and splendid cities which you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not fill, and uh, excavated cisterns, wells which you did not dig out, and vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you eat and are full and satisfied. Awesome. God's going to give you all these things. He says, it'll come. All, everything that was promised, you're going to have these wonderful things. You'll, and you'll eat. You didn't, even, you didn't even work for it. You're going to get it. You eat and you will be satisfied. Next verse. Verse 12. But then he says, then, then, when that happens, then, beware. Lest... You do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. God's going to bring you through so many great things. Blessing upon blessing, that's who God is. But, but beware when that happens. That you don't forget about God. Interesting that he would say that because it must be a thing that happens. It is, right? Our world's falling apart. Oh, God. We need a miracle. We should call a prayer meeting. Call my friends. Things are bad. And then more often than not, things are good. That we forget about God. This is what beware means. In the Strongs, beware. To take extreme care. To see the danger of something and avoid it. To be watchful and cautious. To be on guard and make every effort to protect yourself. He's saying, that, that this is a dangerous spot to be in. Complacency is a dangerous place to be in. Christianity was never meant to be comfortable. Yet we get upset when we're not. 
We get mad at God when we're not comfortable. Isaiah 32, it says, Rise up, you women who are carefree. Men, you still have to listen to this, vo this verse even though it's talking to women. Rise up, you women who are carefree and hear my voice. You confident and unsuspecting daughters, listen to what I'm saying. In a little more than a year, you will tremble with anxiety, you unsuspecting and complacent women. For the vintage has ended and the harvest will not come. Tremble, you women who are carefree. Tremble with fear, you complacent ones. Strip, undress, and wear sackcloth on your waist in grief. So he's, he, he, what, what this is, is what he's saying is, come out of your complacency. And what he's doing is putting a call for them to begin to pray. It's time, it's time for you to pray. You've become complacent in the things that are going on. It's time for you to come out and begin to pray. He says, beat your breasts in mourning for the beautiful fields, for the fruitful vine. Like, the world is going down like, a, what is that saying, hell in a handbasket? The world is going to hell in a handbasket around you. And you're complacent. It's cool. I'm comfortable. For the land of my people growing over with thorns and briars. Yes, mourn for the houses of joy in the joyous city. For the palace that has been abandoned. The, popula the populated city deserted. The hill of the city and the watchtower have become caves for the wild animals forever. A delight for wild donkeys. A pasture for flocks. He's saying, complacent people. Come on, come out. Get on your faces. Look at, he's calling them to prayer. Verse 15, he says, to do these things, okay? He says, until the Spirit is poured out from on high. And the wilderness becomes a fertile field, and the fertile field is valued as a forest. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness will live in the fertile field. And the effects of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness will be quietness and confident trust forever. Rise up, you women who are carefree, you complacent ones. Get on your face. Begin to pray. Begin to cry out. Until the Spirit of the Lord is poured out. Come out of your comfort zone. Come out of your complacency. Romans 13, 11 says, Do this knowing... That this is a critical time. It is already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep of spiritual complacency. It is the hour for you to awaken from your sleep. For our salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. No such thing as comfortable Christianity. You know, 
Paul. Paul said, I am content wherever I'm at. I can, I can be poor, I can be rich, I can have food, I can have no food, I can have Wi-Fi, I can have no Wi-Fi. I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> I haven't achieved that level of... <laughs> but he was saying, no matter what, I'm content. But what he wasn't saying was, no matter what, I'm comfortable. No matter what, I'm going to stay here. He said, no matter the situation, I can be content. Later on, he says, in Philippians, later on, he says, I forget those things that lie behind. And I press on and I strive forward. I can't stay here. Paul says, I, I've done a lot of things. I've done a lot of amazing things. Things that he could probably be smug in. But he says, forget that. Forget that. I can be content no matter what the condition is, but I can't be comfortable. I gotta keep pressing forward. I gotta have more of God. There has to be more. Revelations 3. Actually, no, let's go to 1 John 2.15. Sorry. It says, don't set your affections, the affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of the world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. the love of the things of this world. You see, God, he doesn't care if you have things. We've heard this before. He doesn't care if you have things. He cares that things have you. He doesn't care if you have things. He doesn't want you to pursue things. He wants you to pursue him. The love of the world and the love of the Father, they're incompatible. Things will never satisfy you. Things are for your enjoyment. They're a blessing from your father. They are. He doesn't care if you have things. He wants to bless you. They're for your enjoyment, but they're not for your satisfaction. For you to be satisfied with your things. Romans 12:11 says, "Be sorry, I'm waiting. Romans 12:11. I'm learning. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Keeping your passion towards him boiling hot. Hmm. Is your passion towards the Father boiling hot? Then it also says, 
keeping, keeping your passion towards the Father boiling hot. That means it's an ongoing thing. That I'm keeping my passion for the Father. That means that I'm evaluating where I'm at. Let's go to Revelations 3. Write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Sardis, for these are the words of the one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven spirits. I know all that you do, and I know that you have a reputation for being really alive. But you're actually dead. Wake up and strengthen all that remains before it dies. For I haven't found your works to be perfect in the sight of God. So remember all the things you've received and heard. Then turn back to God and obey him. For if you continue to slumber, I will come to you like a thief. And you'll have no idea in what hour I will come. He's saying in verse 2, wake up. Wake up. Come out of your complacency. Come out of your slumber. Wake up. Strengthen all that remains before it dies. For I haven't found your works to be perfect in the sight of my God. Then he says, so remember. Remember all the things you've received and heard. What he's saying in the first verse we would read, it says, beware. Beware that you don't forget God. Now he's saying, wake up. Remember all the things that you've received. Remember all the things that you've heard. Remember who he created you to be. Amen. Remember that he said, all authority has been given to me. Amen. Now I give it to you. Now you go. Remember these things. Wake up, church. Come out of your complacency. Remember these things. Remember that I called you a royal priesthood. I called you royalty. I called you my kings and I called you my priests. Wake up, church. Remember that I called you my sons and my daughters. My very DNA flows through you. Wake up. Wake up. Matthew 13. I was so aware of the complacency in my own life that I was, I mean, come on, there, I, can, I can almost 
guarantee that every one of us could put our hands up in the air and say, yeah, guilty. But aware of, of the complacency in my own life to be like, it's okay if I stay here. And then there's some times where we have our own, where like, God, you've pushed me enough. I've been uncomfortable enough. I've been broken enough. It hurt enough. Isn't that good? What does Paul say? I've done a lot of things. A lot of things have happened. I could tell a lot of stories. But I forget those things that lie behind and I push, I push on. What is it next, God? What is it? He deserves more than this. He deserves more than a church that's okay just to be lukewarm. Whatevs, God, whatevs. Listen, Matthew 13, uh, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a very precious treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid again, and in his joy he goes and sells all he has and buys the field, securing the treasure for himself. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, And upon finding a single pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. There's two sides to this. One is your, you are the pearl of great price. He sold all that he had. He gave all that he had for you. The other side is, he's the pearl of great price. He's the pearl of great price. And we give all that we have when we find him. That he's worthy of it all. He's worthy of more than a complacent church, a complacent people. Psalms 142 The Lord looks down, I'm sorry, Psalms 14 too. The Lord looks down in love, bending over heaven's balcony, looking over all of Adam's sons and daughters. He's looking to see if there's anyone who acts wisely. Any who are searching for God and wanting to please him. Look it. He looks down in love, first of all. He's looking down in love. Bending over heaven's balcony to see if there's anyone who's looking for him, who's wanting to please him. This is the heart of a, is there anyone? Is there anyone who wants more of me? In love, he looks down in love. He's not looking down like, great, complacent church. He's looking down in love like, come on, church. Come on, church. I got so much for you. Come on, church. Who's calling?
crying out for me? Who wants more? Who wants more of me? This is the verse that I talked about last week, and I, so I went back and found it. 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9. I'm going to read it from two different translations, and I'm almost finished here. Verse 9. To you, my son Solomon, maintain a relationship with the God of your father and serve him with a complete heart in all of your thoughts and actions. The eternal searches all hearts for their desires and understands the intentions of every thought. If you search for him as he searches for you. If you search for him as he searches for you, then he will let you find him. As he searches for you. This is our father. We can't stand to stay in this place. We have a father who's looking down in love, searching for those whose hearts are his. Those whose hearts are looking for him. Those whose hearts are searching for him. Those whose hearts have to have more. In the message it says it like this. And you Solomon my son get to know well your father's God. Serve him with a whole heart and an eager mind. For God examines every heart and sees through every motive. If you seek him. He'll make sure you find him. But if you abandon him. He'll leave you for good. Then it says look sharp now. God has chosen you to build his holy house. Be brave, determined, and do it. Just do it. See, God has chosen you. God has chosen us. I'm handpicked. What's that song, no longer, no longer Slaves? From my mother's womb, he chose me. Love called my name. I'm chosen. The Father, God, chose you. He chose each of you. He called you. You are not here today by accident. Hear the Father calling you again. I chose you. I picked you. I called you by name. I have my hand on your life. I've appointed you for this moment. Wake up. This is your wake-up call. Wake up. Be brave. Be determined. Do it. What you have right now is not enough. You do not have enough of God. You don't have it. We can't be comfortable in this. We can't be comfortable in this. 
In Psalm 63, this is the last verse. I'm just going to end with this. It says, O God, you are my God. With deepest longing, I will seek you. My soul, my life, my very self thirsts for you. My flesh longs and sighs for you in a dry and weary land where there's no water. In a dry and weary land where there's no water. This, the things of the natural, that's your dry and weary land. There's no water there. This will not satisfy you. This will not quench your thirst. This is a dry, weary land. We are in need of the Father. We are in need of Him. What does the Bible say? If you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. You'll drink of this water. He is the living water. If you drink of him, you won't thirst again. But if you have your attention and your focus on these things, in, in, in your self-satisfaction, this will not fill you. You will not get satisfaction here. So this morning I just, I want you to hear it as a call to action. To come out of that place of comfortable. I don't really want to move past here. But God says, beware you get at that place. Take note if you get to that place and move past that. Don't stay there. That's a dangerous place to be. Don't stay there. Be in constant pursuit of the Father. Of wanting more and more of Him. Here's the thing. God is so good and He is so gracious that if you're like, I don't even know how to get to that place. How do I get on fire for God? Like, do I pray more? Do I, what do I, do? no, you just ask God. Light a fire. Light a fire in me. I let that flame go out. Or at best, it's flickering. <laughs> Breathe on it. Breathe on it, Father. Breathe on it. I don't want to be a complacent person. I don't want to be a complacent church. You're more than that. You're worth more than that. Breathe on me, Father. Breathe on me. Light a fire in my heart. Let me go deeper in who you are. Breathe on us, Father.
You're worth so much more than that. You're searching for us. Father, we're coming searching for you. We must have more of who you are. We can't stay the same. We have to be changed from glory to glory. Thank you, Father. Charity, can you come? Let's just stand for a moment.